Good morning, everyone. Welcome, 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 everybody that's here. And then uh, those of you who will be watching later on our YouTube channel. Uh, it was great, Dave. Uh, filled in for Jen and the rest of the band, as well as Jamie. Good to see Jamie back. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> um, but he talked about habits, and I thought that was pretty uh, good. In the summertime, we can get into some habits, can't we? Uh, so I'm going to give the, a little jab to our YouTube watchers. We're getting a decent amount of hits on our YouTube channel, but don't make it a habit. We need you here. <laughs> we need you here. Uh, be part of the fellowship. But yeah, we have people coming and going all summer, of course, because of camping and family and graduations and weddings and all the things we do, right? But at the same time, uh, we need you here. Um, I always want to make an offer as we open up our Bibles today. We're going to go to Romans 6, uh, make an offer that we do have uh, Bibles available. Uh, we're working on uh, getting some more, but if you don't have a Bible, I always want to make sure that you have availability to one, and we have some of those at the coffee station there at the cafe and want to make those available to you free of charge. Uh, always want the Word of God to be free, right? Because it is, and uh, so we want to make that available to you. Um, let's open, like you said, to Romans 6. I'd like to read um, that to you, uh, and then we will pray together. Uh, Romans 6, starting verse 1, says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it. Let's pray. Lord, your word is straight from your heart. And Lord, as I try to communicate that, try to communicate your heart today, Lord, would you please um, make your words uh, get to our hearts. Uh, Lord, we just, we love you. We want to serve you in a way that is honoring to you. Please help us uh, learn today. May our ears be open our hearts be open, and our feet ready to walk, Lord. We just love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So a little bit of context today. What we have here is Apostle Paul writing to the Roman church, and he's in the middle of a debate with some Jewish leaders about, you know, they say that the, the gospel of grace teaches us that man's... Um, it teaches that man's sin provides for an even a, a greater display of God's grace. In other words, they're arguing this fact that if they're coming out of learning about the law, the letter of the law isn't the way to get saved because, and we'll talk about that in a second, but they're, they're saying that, well, if grace is going to be here and abound, then that means we can do whatever we want. Uh, if grace is just going to save me, uh, per se. Um, so, in other words, it, does it suggest that we can continue to sin and then that basically grace will just mop up after us? Uh, we can do what we want. Certainly not, the scriptures say today, uh, and we're going to investigate and dig in why certainly not. Um, is it just me, or do you guys constantly find it hard to choose to do the right thing? It's always, isn't it? It's a very difficult thing. Um, we know what's right, but we always are having difficulties in choosing what that right thing is to do. 
Um, I'm talking about the things that hurt our relationship with God, right? Sin or unrighteousness is mentioned a lot in the Bible. And I just wanted to clear a couple things up with that because we hear these fancy Bible words once in a while and we don't really know or think through what they're saying. But unrighteousness and righteousness are words that are used, the Bible uses them to describe our relationship with God. When we are in right relationship with God, we live right or righteously. And then on the opposite of that, of course, is when, when our relationship to God is not right, uh, we are living unrighteously. Makes sense, right? And sin is the mechanism in which we violate God's law. And then, of course, begin to live in wrong relationship with him. So our sin hurts our relationship with God and separates us from him. So the question of the day is, so shall we continue in sin and let grace cover our tracks? Certainly not, is what the Bible says. That's the answer to the question that Paul has. Certainly not. But there's been so many times we know what the right thing to do is, right? And, and, but then it seems as there's some strange power overtakes us and makes us do what we know that we shouldn't be doing. You guys remember the cartoon characters uh, uh, depicted that always had the little angel guy on one shoulder and the, the little devil guy on the other shoulder? Anybody remember that? Is that... Yeah, um, I don't know why, but that is, uh, when I think about these things, that, I, that's what I see. I see that there's this constant thing competing with what I should do in my life. I don't know why that I choose the guy with the little pitchfork more than I choose the one with the halo. I'm not sure it seems like that, but that's really what we're trying to do, is we're trying to choose the halo <laughs> more than the pitchfork. Make sense? But it's, it's kind of like that. Um, I feel awful when I pick the guy with the pitchfork. I feel cruddy. I know that I picked wrong, but it seems like this is a pattern that can develop. Talk about habits. This can be a habit in our lives. We can constantly pick the opposing thing that God, from what God wants us to choose. Um, is this you too? Uh, do, you, do you struggle with this? Uh, are you in a, um, a cycle that you feel you can't get out of? Is there a way out of the cycle? And that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today. It says, as we continue in this ser series, wanting what God wants, uh, we'll be looking at one more thing uh, to end this series, and that is you and I this is what God wants, you and I to walk in newness of life. Um, before I came to the Journey Church, I served with a, a ministry in Flint. Um, it's pretty cool. It was uh, primarily a mission for the homeless. Uh, Carriagetown Ministries, I don't know if you ever heard of it or not, but it, it, it not only provided shelter or provides shelter for the homeless, but it also uh, gave them food and a, a place to rest at night and things of that nature, but also it has an element of it that it taught God's love and brought that element and with the hope uh, this would be part of the cycle that would stop their cycle of homelessness. 
they're also a social enterprise as well. Um, they, they provide um, low barrier transitional employment. So in other words, we uh, would minister to someone, give them opportunities uh, to have a, a, a small job and get a small pay, um, encourage them not only with the word of God, but with brotherly love and with the hopes that they would no longer uh, return or go back into homelessness. Uh, this is where I met a guy that we'll call Joe. Joe is not his real name, but I, I didn't want to use his real name today, but we'll call him Joe. Joe had recently been um, at the uh, Town, recently been released from prison about uh, 20 plus years he served. Um, you know, it's funny when you work next to somebody, you, you learn about a, a lot about each other, right? And Joe had shared with me a lot of the things that got him uh, to a 20 plus year sentence. But um, soon after he entered, uh, he was given a, an opportunity to work with us and he took that opportunity. Uh, I worked with every, Joe, uh, every day with Joe, worked hard with him, I learned Joe, he, I found out he was kind, he was respectful, very thankful for the opportunity that he had been given. Uh, he'd been reunited with family and he'd even, even been approved uh, for housing outside of uh, Carystown, which was pretty special. Not everybody would get that. And he was, he, so many things going for him in his life until one day, Joe somehow thought that he could continue doing the things that he used to do and still keep his freedom. Not long after, Joe lost his freedom. He lost his job, his housing, his new life. Um, actually, Joe returned uh, again to jail and to prison um, and a slave to his old ways. I think a lot about Joe. Um, I do, I just think about him. His story saddens me and it scares me all at the same time. It saddens me because it's hard to watch someone who has been freed from their old life return back and then become a slave to their old ways and lose their freedom. But it's also scary, too, because you and I can be doing the same thing that Joe did. I'm not saying that we're necessarily committing the crimes maybe that got Joe in jail or, you know, or gets in trouble legally. But what scares me is that God offers us freedom and a right relationship with him. Yet, like Joe we can so easily disregard this freedom that we have been given and return to the life that we've been freed from. So today, if this is us, uh, God wants us to walk in the freedom of the newness of life that he offers and quit being enslaved in the old ways, in the old thing. So, what's really cool about Romans, this section of Romans 6, the question has been asked, right? Um, are we to continue in sin? The answer's been given, certainly not, but then it goes on to give us some things that God wants us to know. Uh, he wants us to know something today. We're gonna go over a few of those. He wants us to take a, into account of uh, something, and then he also wants us um, to be something. And so we're gonna go over those three things today. So the first thing he wants us to know is that his grace is more plentiful 
and it's more powerful than any of the bad choices we can ever make or ever will make. Grace is often defined as unmerited favor. I don't know if you've ever heard it called that before, but what it really means is that it's God's favorable attitude towards us that we did not earn. That's really what grace is. I know grace is so much more than that, right? If you've experienced God's grace, it's so much more than that. But at the same time, in a simple definition, that's what it can be defined at. And then grace is on full display in his ongoing plan to rescue us from our sin. If you remember, uh, kind of like a description of how we get to salvation in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, it says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. God is the one who gives grace, right? We can't earn it. It's not anything that we uh, can do on our own. God gives the grace. So if you're here today and not experiencing the new life that God desires you to because you're thinking that you are unworthy of grace, on one hand, you're correct. None of us are worthy of God's grace. But that's why it's considered a gift, right? God gives us that even though we don't deserve it and we can't earn it. However, if you're thinking that your sins are too great or that they are too many, also think again. Romans 5.20 says this, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. We should be happy about this. When you and I are exposed to God's truth, it reveals to us if we're living according to him or not, or according to the truth or not. And that's what the first part of that verse means. It, law entered, so it basically comes in, God's truth comes in, and as we read it and are exposed to it, it all of a sudden helps us understand if we're living by it or not. Um, the scriptures say that we are to evaluate the quantity of our sin. And if we do that, well, there's plenty of it, right? I don't know if you guys evaluate when you put, put it on the scales, when God says this is holy and then we look at how we're living our lives. Uh, when you look at how we are living according to the word of God, especially as you become a new believer and start working these things out, Next thing you know, you realize the scales are like way over here in the sin area. I'm nowhere near where God wants me to be in this area of holiness. So as we read the truth, it's, we're exposed to it, and then we are to react to it and remove the sin out of our lives. Um, so we know that we have plenty of sin in our lives. There, it can be, it, it, it abounds, that's what the word abound means here. But here is the good news. God's grace is greater than all our sin. Grace abounds much more, the scriptures say. Um, this was proven at the cross, right? When Jesus went to the cross, he paid the penalty of our sin, and he just didn't pay the penalty of a couple of sins or a few people's sins or a little bit of our sin. He actually paid the penalty and covered it all. So where sin abounds, there's a lot of sin, God's grace abounds even more. There's plenty 
of God's grace to go around for you and me. But grace is also more powerful than any sin that we can have. Romans 5.21 says, So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Um, let's draw our attention for a second to the word reigned used here. Reign is uh, used in a figurative way, like, in a, like a king reigns over his kingdom. To rule over or to have complete control over. And like a cruel king, sin brings death to its subjects, to those who allow it to rule in their lives. But the power of grace is when we allow it to reign or to have power in our lives. When grace reigns in our lives, righteousness is produced. Think about that. I'll say it one more time. When grace reigns in our lives, righteousness is produced. Sin no longer reigns. Uh, remember, righteousness is a word that we use, the scriptures use, to describe our relationship to God. When we are in right relationship with God, we are living righteous. All too often we limit um, our thinking of God's grace uh, um, like having power to get us to heaven. That's what Ephesians uh, 2, 8, 9 can sometimes do. We go, whoo, I said the prayer. Wow, that's awesome. I'm on my way to heaven. But then completely forget that grace is there for far bigger reasons than just getting us to heaven. So not only is sin for our future, our eternity, our grace is there for our future and our eternity, but grace is for our here and now. And I think that's sometimes where we forget that um, that's what grace can do for us. Not just get us to heaven, but to carry us out through our life here. Jesus not only died for our eternity, he died for today and tomorrow and the day after. All of us have made bad choices, right? Uh, but these choices don't mean we have to be repeat offenders. Uh, that's what our scriptures are really about today. You know, he saved us out of sin, but uh, shall we continue in it? No. Forbid. God forbid. God is a God of second chances, and God is the beginning of our walk in freedom. Therefore, do not disregard or take advantage of the grace that has been given to us. Uh, God wants us to know his grace is more plentiful. There's plenty of it. If that's where your brain is at today, you say, man, God, I've done things that have been so bad. I've done so many bad things. No, God's grace is greater than that. But it's also more powerful than um, anything that you've ever done as well. It, grace can cut through any bad mistake, any bad choice, anything that we have done. The second thing that God wants us to know in Romans is that in Christ we are no longer the same um, person that we used to be. Um, and the reason that Paul through Romans here gives us these things he wants us to know is because what happens is that we get in these arenas of getting ready to make a, a choice. If we would just stop and take a nanosecond 
and think about a couple of these things. So the first thing he wanted to thank us about is his grace. If we would just stop and think about his grace, how many, how many sins would we not launch ourselves into when temptation comes along? The second thing he wants us to know is that we're no longer the person that we once were. Now last week we talked about this a little bit, right? Um, let's read Romans 6 and then move on to another scripture we talked about last week. He says, Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized unto his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through the baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Um, last week, we talked about uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, right? In Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Uh, if we're in Christ, the person we once were was buried with him. And that's what Romans is trying to, um, you know, kind of drive the nail home to speak, is that if we are in Christ, when Christ died, we died. And in the same way, when he was raised from the dead, so was a new man, a new creation. And the result of being a new man in Christ is that we should walk as the new man. Not as the dead man, but as a new living man. In Christ, we are a new creation. Third thing he wants us to know, that the old man, this is actually my favorite one, this the old man has been done away with. Romans 6, 6 says this, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion or control over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. It's interesting, this phrase, done away with, uh, doesn't mean that the, the old man is completely gone. It really means that he's been rendered inoperative. So the old guy is still there, um, but he's been put out of commission. Uh, when my kids were little, it seemed like every toy they got for Christmas um, had batteries. I'm not sure why that was a thing. I think that was an evil plot against my mom and dad and things like that to drive me crazy because all those toys have batteries. They make a lot of noise and clanging bells and all the things, the sirens. But so what I used to do to kind of get some sanity in the whole thing, I would take the batteries out. And my kids were little enough to, you know, not really know what was going on. I just tell them oh, it doesn't work anymore. <laughs> kind of a, probably not the best thing in the world to do to your kid, but that's what I did. You take the, you take the batteries out, but what I would do is that it made that toy inoperative. It would just, the toy was still there, but it wasn't doing anything. 
And in this same way, the moment that we place our faith in Christ, the old man is crucified. In the likeness of Christ, our old man is done away with, made inoperative. The old man's still laying there, but the batteries have been removed. The power has been removed. Often it's when we forget all that God has done to ensure that our old man has been done away with that the dead man begins to walk again. Uh, it's hard for me not to think about dead man walking. I, I grew up in the, I don't know, 60s and 70s and music videos were just a big thing. They were a big influencer at the time and MTV had uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller video. I don't know if you've ever seen this video or not, but it's really Michael Jackson and a, a, a lady friend coming out of a movie. It looks like a scary movie and they're scared and they no longer just get around the corner and then all of a sudden they're confronted with all these dead people dancing and walking uh, throughout and singing through the video. Um, it's it's funny because it looked like all these people were supposed to be dead. They had like rotting flesh falling off of them. Their eyes were sunken into their head and they should be dead, but they're still walking. Uh, this is what I, um, I think about when I think about my old dead man still walking. God has done everything to ensure that my old man is dead. Yeah, he's still there, but at the same time, when he does revive, and I, this is what I see, but all too often it's the after fact that I see my dead man walking. The goal here would be to never allow him to rise up. Um, the phrase in my head when I read the scripture we're looking at, do you not know that you are dead? Why then are you up walking around? So that's kind of how I think of it. When I get done making a choice or doing something that God doesn't want me to do, I feel remorse for it, but then I get so angry as a, why, are, why, dead man, are you up walking around? You should be dead. Um, the old man is up walking around with all, of, all the junk that goes with it, all the old stuff, all the old habits. So you may ask yourself, like I do, why is it taking so long for the old guy to die? Why is that? Why is this, why didn't, when I went, when I went to Jesus and asked for forgiveness and he forgave me and his grace became part of my life, why didn't that just, everything stop? Because if we're honest, there are parts of the old life we don't want to die. That's usually why the dead man gets up and walks again. There's something in our lives that we like about the old dead guy, uh, whether that is a, a habit, whether that is a, uh, a, a lust or something that we like, but that's what happens, isn't it? That's, watch this in your life. When you find the old dead man up and walking, you made that choice because there was something about the old dead man you liked. Um, at least that's what it is for me, and I don't like it. Uh, we know and even desire to live a life that is pleasing to God. I know that's your guys' heart. I know that's, if, if you're here today and we're worshiping God and we're trying to learn more about who he is, we, this is something that we want for us. 
but yet the old man rises up. But when we see him rise up, it's always to please self. Isn't that really the answer is why he's still walking around? We want to do what God wants, uh, what we want more than what God wants. We choose to do what we want over what God wants. Basically, we put the old batteries, we put the batteries back in the old man is what we do. He's up walking once again. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 says this, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. To walk in newness of life is to do the will of God. That's what that verse really says. And to know that the old man has been done away with. That's what we are to know. Know that he's been gone away with. Then there's also something that God wants us to take into account. Romans 6, 11 says, Likewise you um, also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, it's pretty cool. The Greek word here for reckon means to keep a mental record or even for some future action to keep a record, to remember, to bear in mind. It's actually an accounting term. You've ever heard of like reckon your books or, you know, reckon your account? We are to take account what God says about us and take account that it is true and live out our future accordingly. A commentator says this about this. He says, it means believing what God says and knowing it as a fact in one's own personal salvation. This, demand, a, uh, this demands a definite act of faith which results in a fixed attitude towards the old man. We see him where God sees him, on the cross, put to death with Christ. Faith will operate continuously to keep him where grace placed him. Do you see the picture of that commentary that if we would see and we would believe what God says is true about us, that the old man has been nailed on the cross that day, the same day Jesus was nailed, then who are we to resurrect the old man uh, from the dead? He's dead. Uh, so when temptations arises um, to sin, wants us to sin, how are we supposed to respond? As dead men. Think about this. Dead men don't walk. Dead men don't talk. They're dead. As the scripture says, we are dead to sin. We don't talk to sin. We don't walk with sin. And we are dead to sin if we'd only remember these things. This is a decision that we make long before we actually are tempted, right? If we were to make this decision, okay, next time, this temptation, we all struggle and they're all different temptations that we have, but if we were to reckon this way ahead of time and believe what God says that the old man is dead, we would never fall into that temptation, would we? If we would just think about this and in, or take into account what God says we are or who God says we are in Christ. And the last thing is there is something that God wants us to be, and that is a slave to him. Um, our scriptures today at the beginning in Romans 6 proposed us a question, shall we continue to sin? Uh, then follows up with the answer, certainly not. Well, why not? 
Because when we continue to sin, we not only abuse God's grace that has set us free, but we also become a slave to it, slave to the sin. Uh, Romans 6.16 says, Do you not know to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey? You are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Slave is a pretty strong word in our culture, but considering the seriousness of sin, I think it's appropriate. God's telling us that we have been uh, given a choice whether to pick sin as our master or to pick God as our master. Um, who will be, we be slaves to is really what the question is. Shall we continue in sin? Shall we choose sin which leads to death, which is not freedom at all, or shall we choose disobedience, um, obedience, excuse me, which leads to right standing with God? So you can see the difference. When we choose sin, we get out of right standing with God. When we chose obedience, we choose him, we are um, in right standing in freedom. Shall, shall we continue in sin? Absolutely not, because we become its slave. God, however, desires us to be his slave. Uh, we're all going to serve something. We're all going to serve somebody. We're all going to serve something or someone. Why shouldn't we pick God as to be slave to? Romans 6.22 says this, My now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness. In the end, everlasting life. So as we conclude here today, and I have Dave kind of come up, I'm going to do something a little different uh, today. But you remember my friend Joe that I talked about? He was once freed from the prison, which he spent over 20 years in bondage to. But he, was, but he willingly, willingly turned himself back over to the very thing which put him there in the first place. He became a prisoner once again. If you've ever been in prison, even as a visitor, there's one thing you know as you leave, you don't want to go back. However, we can be just like Job. By God's grace, we can be freed uh, from sin and its penalty and be given this newness of life and all the freedoms that it has. But then temptation comes along and we make this choice again to sin and we, the result is we're, we go back to prison. We go back into bondage. We go back into anything but freedom. But God's desire is us for to walk in that new life that he has made possible. Temptations will always be there. So Romans told us today, but God wants us to know, even though those temptations are there, his grace is more plentiful and more powerful than any bad decision that we'll ever make. He also wants us to know in Christ we're no longer who we used to be. Only if we remember that. And that the old man has been done away with. He also wants us to take an account that we are dead to sin and that we do not have to respond to it. And he wants us to be finally a slave to him and not to sin. 
as obeying of sin only leads to death. We know that, but God, God's, uh, when we serve him, it leads to freedom. So for the next few moments, I'd like us to do something. Um, just take a few moments. Maybe bow your head, talk to the Lord, and if there is something that kept coming up in your head that you know is a sin that you keep raising the old dead man to, and you know what that is because we're all different, we all sin and come short of the glory of God, I'd like you to speak to God about that this morning. Just talk to him about that. Let him know that you're sorry for your sin and you want to repent and turn from it. And it'd be amazed at what he'll do through that, through, through that time. And also, um, maybe you've never given your life to God before. Uh, and, you know, and you want to experience this new life in Christ. Um, it's so easy. That too is just talking to God. Sometimes we think that we got to do all, jump through all these hoops to get God to forgive us and to have a relationship with God when it's really just a simple fact. We just have to admit that we have sinned and come short of his glory and we want to ask him to forgive us of those sins. But then also we just want to let him know that we're ready to repent and turn from those and not continue in those sins. And so maybe that's you tonight. Just ask him to do that or today and not ask him to, uh, we're not asking you to, uh, you know, come up front or do any of those crazy things. We're just asking you to speak to a, a holy God that loves you and wants you to be his slave. So let's take the next few minutes uh, and do that and then I'll return and close the, the gathering. God, thank you for our, your word that tells us that you want more than anything for us to walk in this new life that you have made possible for us. Lord, you want us to be a slave to you, a slave that experiences all the freedoms that comes with you being our master. Lord, I pray today that Whatever that thing or things are that are keeping us from walking in newness of life and keep resurrecting that old man that we have given them to you today. And then in your faithfulness, Lord, I know you've been so faithful in my life and it will be in so many others that if we're willing to confess our sins, 
that you are right there to forgive us of our sins and move us into righteous living. Lord, we're so thankful that we are gathered here today, thankful that you are who you are. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for newness of life. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. I want to thank everybody for being here today, of course, and praying you're walking in that newness of life. And we can help you walk in any way, shape, or form in that new life or you, you need more prayer and you just may be struggling with some things and don't know how to do it. I want to be here for you that, uh, and some elders will be here as well. So until we meet again, go be the hands and feet of Jesus and uh, tell everybody about him. Thanks for joining us today. <laughs>